0: We are so glad that you're here. We are so glad that you're choosing to spend your morning with us, whether you're watching maybe in the kitchen, maybe you watching on the couch, maybe you got a little cray-cray and you're watching via treadmill this morning. Either way, we're so glad that you're here and spending the morning with us. And so for those of you that don't know me, my name is Trey, and I have the privilege of being the high school pastor here at Southern Hills. And so if you have a high school student, we'd love to connect with them and plug them in and do all the things where uh, they can connect with other high school students. But... Some of you may be asking the question because I saw some of your faces when I walked out, and you might be thinking, "Where's Shannon been?" And so we want to let you know that uh, if you couldn't tell from Bill's, uh, Bill's message, we've been a little busy uh, over the last couple months, as have all of us just trying to figure out, hey, what does this new normal look like for us?" And so Shannon uh, has taken the last four weeks off from preaching uh, just so him and the elders could meet and kind of plan, especially as schools have started to roll out their schedule for the fall. Um, the elders and him have been meeting like crazy and have really said, hey, what's our new normal look like? And so as of earlier uh, this week, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, they actually published kind of our next steps that come to children's programming and all of that. And so if if you haven't seen it on the website, head over there, check it out. But if you guys could do me a favor, Shannon will be back next week, and that man has been working his tail off. And so when he comes back next week, will you just give him some love and just tell him thank you for all that he does for the church and for the elders as well, because those guys go above and beyond to make sure that the church is still moving in the right direction. But... With that, uh, I will be hanging out with you guys this morning. Uh, We're in the story of Gideon, and we're continuing our series called By Faith. And if you've been with us this summer, what we're doing is we're working our way through Hebrews chapter 11. And so if you've read that, it's called the Hall of Faith. It's a play on words for the Hall of Fame. And what we're doing is we're looking at these biblical heroes, and we're looking at their story, and how they walked by faith. And as a result, us today in our walk, we can walk by faith because of what God did back in the day and so I got to let you into a little something in how my brain thinks all right I've been secretly calling this by faith series i have been secretly calling it the Sam lot series now if you guys have ever seen the movie Sandlot, it's an incredible piece of art it's one of the best movies of all time uh, it's one of my favorites and when my wife and I were dating I was like hey baby you my you my Wendy Peppercorn," and she said I don't know who that is and I said I don't think this is gonna work out and so Um, But it's a great movie, but there's a scene if you guys remember and have seen it where they're outside They're playing ball in the sandlot right and then one of the guys he hits the cover off a baseball now They've got a problem. There's no baseball anymore And so Smalls who's the main character he he tries to be the hero right and so he's like "Uh, my stepdad's got a ball I'll, I'll run back to the house and go get it and so he runs back to his house And if you remember he opens the door to his stepdad's office, and he takes an autographed baseball off of the shelf and if you remember who it was autographed by, it matters. And so t- he takes the ball back to the sandlot and they're playing with it, and if you remember Ham, he hits a home run, he hits that autographed baseball over the fence and launches it into the beast's yard and they're all celebrating because he just hit a home run, but Smalls is freaking out, right? He's going, oh no, oh no. And so he runs up to the guys, they're like, what's wrong? He goes, that was my stepdad's autographed ball. And they go, well, who was it autographed by? He says, I don't know, some girl named Baby Ruth. And they're like, Babe Ruth, and they all freak out, and they go through all the nicknames, but there's a line that Small says. He goes, that's the same guy? And I love that, because there's that moment of realization for Smalls where he realized, he just, they just launched a baseball autograph by Babe Ruth, and he realizes, he goes, that's the same guy? The same guy that they all love and talk about. He didn't realize who it was. And so my hope and my prayer for you this entire series is that you have been watching, and you've been coming along, and you read these stories, and you go, that's the same guy? That's the same God? The same God that was with Abraham is the same God that walks with us today. The same God that crossed the Red Sea with Moses is the same God that's with us. We go through all these stories, and I hope you have that Sandlot moment of that's the same guy and that's the same God. And I'm excited because we have a really good morning. We're going to look at the story of Gideon, and I'm excited. And so, if you turn to your neighbor, say, "I'm excited." If you're watching online, give me, a, give me a, I'm excited in the chat. Maybe give me one of these emojis or something like that, all right? We're going to have a good morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Judges chapter 6, verse 13. Now, before we turn there and we start reading, I want to do two things just real quick. I want to do two things. The first thing is I actually want to address the non-Christians in the room. Now, as a pastor, sometimes it's naive for us to come up here and stand on stage and just assume that everybody in the room uh, is, a, is a follower of Jesus, Maybe you came with your mom or your dad or, or maybe a cousin or somebody brought you. Uh, we're so glad you're here. Uh, or maybe you're watching online and you're on that YouTube binge where you're 40 YouTube videos deep and you don't know how you got here. Either way, we're glad you're here. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, this message this morning is really built and centered around building and growing your faith. And so you might be thinking, oh, Trey, like I'm not a, I'm not a person of, of, of faith. Like the, the faith thing's not for me. And so for the non-Christians, I would, I would have one simple question for you. What is your faith in? I firmly believe that if you're a living, breathing human being, you're a person of faith. And here's why. Like when you get in your car and you drive somewhere, you have faith in that thin yellow line in agreement with the other people not to play bumper cars, right? Like you have faith that when you walked in this room this morning, this building was built well. You have faith in certain things, whether you call it government, institutions, society, yourself. All of us have faith in something. So when all your strength is gone, when all of hope is lost, what's your faith in? Who do you rely on? Where does your strength, where does your hope come from? My prayer is that if you're not a follower of Jesus in the room or you're watching, just answer that question. Now, for the followers of Jesus that are in this room, we got a good one today. We're looking at the story of Gideon, but here's, here's remember, I had two things. Address the non-Christians, I want to address the Christians. A lot of times, as followers of Jesus, we're guilty of, of when we read the Bible, we've read it before, and so we know the end of the story, Right? We know, we, know that, we know that Gideon wins, and so we kind of read it, and so it kind of loses its power. It loses the, the effect when we realize what Gideon actually had to go through because Gideon didn't know the end of the story. And so my hope and my prayer for all of you this morning is that you actually read this story like you've never read it before because when you do that, you're gonna realize the faith that it took Gideon to actually pull off what we're about to read. And so read it with new eyes. So we're in Judges chapter 6, verse 13, and last week, Dale did an incredible job talking about uh, Joshua, Jericho, and Rahab. And if you remember that story, Israel, like I said, I want to, sorry, I want to set this passage up. So Israel has come into the promised land, right? They conquered the nation of Jericho. God gave them this area. They said, hey, look, this is your land. I've promised to you. And God was going to use the nation of Israel to reach the other nations around him and around the other nation. And so... We're, we're, right where we're about to read is actually 40 to 50 years post what happened in Jericho, Rahab, and the story of Joshua. And so what's happened is, is that Israel has settled in the Promised Land, and they've been surrounded by other nations. And what happens is, is they start to worship other gods. They start to fall into sin. They start to, to intermingle with some of the other nations and start worshiping other gods. And so finally God gives them over their own desires, and what happens is they're actually conquered by the nation of Midian. And if you know anything about ancient history, Midian is an awful society. They enslave people. They practice evil sexual acts. They're awful. And so the the nation of Israel went to this conquering. Yeah, we conquered Jericho. We're big and bad. Fast forward a couple years. Now they're conquered. And so what we're about to read is actually a section of the Bible where they're conquered. And so God is doing this thing. That's why it's called Judges, where he raises up Judges to help free the nation of Israel from captivity. And so what we're about to read is God has come down from heaven. He's heard the cries of the nation of Israel, and he goes, I'm going to liberate them. I'm going to free them. And he comes to Gideon, and he's going to use Gideon to free the nation of Israel. And what we're about to read is Gideon's response to God. So here we go. Judges, chapter 6, verse 13. This is Gideon's reply to God. He says, sir, I love that. Like, what do you say to God when he talks to you, uh, sir, sir? Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. So check this out, right? God has come down from heaven. He's talking to Gideon, and he's like, Gideon, you're my man. I'm going to use you, and we're going to free the nation of Israel from the Midianites. And Gideon's like, nah, where have you been? See, Gideon gets all up in God's face. He goes, God, where have you been? I saw the miracles that you did for our ancestors. I saw what you did in the past. I heard what you did with Moses. I know what you did with Joshua. But where have you been? Right? We're over here enslaved. We've been conquered. And Gideon just presses into God. Where have you been? And I love that because many of us are feeling that right now. God, where have you been? If you don't know what's going on, like the world's kind of a little bit crazy right now. And I love Gideon's response because instead of just throwing away or he's saying, forget you, God. No, he presses in. He goes, God, where have you been? And if you know the story, God and, and Gideon actually go through this dialogue in a couple of tests where, where Gideon basically goes, God, are you with me? And then God goes, Gideon, I'm with you. And then, and then again, Gideon goes, God, are you with me? And the Gideon goes, dude, I'm with you. And so over and over again, you see this Gideon questioning whether or not God, because he's looking at his circumstances, he's looking at the world, and he sees all the oppression, the things that are going on. And so he presses into God, and he goes, God, are you with me? And a lot of us can relate to that right now. And so my encouragement is is that if you've been feeling that, this whole, God, where are you? My encouragement is that you press in. Don't draw away. Press into God. Bring your questions before him. And only and watch what only he can do. So we're going to fast forward just a little bit because we're going to fast forward through that dialogue of, him, of God and Gideon going back and forth. And so here's what happens. Eventually Gideon goes, all right, God, I'm all in. I'll be the judge. Let's liberate these people. We'll, we're going we're to defeat the Midianites. We're going to be a nation that worships you. And Gideon and God are like, heck yeah, let's do this. And so if you have your Bibles, turn over. We're going to go right into chapter 7 and we're going to read what happens. Chapter 7, verse 1. So ba. Uh, that's Gideon, and his army, they got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped just north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. And the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, Israel will boast to me that they have saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. So we got to check out this scene. God and Gideon have finally agreed, like, all right, we're going in. And so, and Gideon recruits all his dudes. He's like, yeah, we're going to battle. And so he gets 32,000 guys, and they get in, in their section. And just north of them is the army of Midian's, like, it's about to go down. Like, they're, they're ready to fight. And then God comes to Gideon. And he's like, hey, look, man, like, like, you have too many men. And i, I got to be honest, if I'm Gideon, like, I've never been to battle and I'm not even a guy that like, if you got in a battle, you would want me to go with you. Okay, like just look at me. And so this is just my perspective on on going to battle. If I go into battle, the term you have too many men is not a thing. Right, like if we're going into battle and my life is on the line, the goal is like, do we have enough? I don't know, maybe, I think we're good, we'll be fine, right? No, 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 the goal is to bring as many people as possible with you so that way you win the battle. Because if you lose, it's not like, oh, we'll get him again, we'll try him again next time. No, no, you die. And so the whole goal is to bring as many dudes as possible with you. And then God comes to Gideon and he goes, you have too many. And you just got to feel that tension for a second. Feel what Gideon had to be thinking. He's like, All right, God, listen, you came down, you said you want to free the nation of Israel. And he wants to do it on purpose, and he wants to do it so that God gets the glory. Verse two matters the most. He doesn't want Israel to win and think that they did it. He wants Israel to win and realize that they have a God that ain't nobody going to mess with. And so finally, Gideon's like, All right, God. And he goes to his men, and about 22,000 of them go home. And he's like, All right, with these 10,000 guys, with these men, we're going to fight the Midian. 10,000, that's not, that's not a lot, but, but we're going to do it. Chapter 7, verse 4. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. And you got to imagine Gideon is standing here talking to God. He's like, I can't work with this guy. Like, I can't, I can't work with him. He has no idea what he's doing, right? Like, he doesn't realize we're about to go to battle, and he's cutting our army in half and cutting us down and cutting us down and cutting us down. So here's what God says. Bring them down to the spring. And I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. And one group put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. And the other group put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands, and all the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. And so we've got 300 on one side. Group A is 300. Group B, we've got 9,700. And you got to make Gideon's going, please be group B. Please be group B. Please, 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 please be group B. And God says, The Lord told Gideon, With these 300 men, I will rescue you and I will give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home but he kept the 300 men with him. Just feel that tension. We went from 32,000 warriors down to 300. And so Gideon's standing there like, oh my goodness, like God, you, like, you, you said you're with me multiple times, but I, I, gotta, I gotta know, are you really with me? And just think about the faith That it took from Gideon so he has to walk over here to group B and he actually takes the provisions he takes the ram swarms the swords all the thingies and he brings them over here to group A and you've got to imagine 300 guys over here going look, where are they going right it's about to be 299 up in here because I'm out right like if if all those guys are going home and we're about to go to battle the 300 got to be going I'm not good at math but this doesn't look like it's going in our favor okay but just think about that faith where he, God had to literally take Gideon and actually remove all of the things and say with these 300 men we're going to defeat the nation of Midian. Church, this is a big deal and this is so much tension because a lot of times we face problems in life and we're like God, we need you to, we need you to come in and, and do something in our life. But think about where Gideon had to get to. A lot of times the problems that we have, they're not life or death. They hurt. We have pain. But Gideon is literally dealing with life and death. With 300 guys, he's about to go fight an army, and he's like, all right, listen, if this doesn't pan out, we're D-E-A-D dead. And so there's a popular myth that with the story of Gideon, I kind of want to debunk this morning. If there's a truth that we can take away from the story of Gideon is that God had to get Gideon to a point where he had to rely only on God for his strength. He had to break Gideon down to the very, very smallest part so that he could only rely on God for his strength. And back to that popular myth that circulates in Christian culture, I call it a myth, but it might be a statement or, 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 or a lie or just a, a phrase that we use. And if you've said this, my goal is not to make you feel guilty or anything, like even as a pastor, like I've said it. But maybe you've heard this phrase of, God will never give you something you can't handle. You ever, you ever heard that? God will never give you something you can't handle. Now that sounds good. That sounds like something we could put like on a, on like a, like a, like a tweet, or we could put it on Facebook, or we could put it on our Instagram story. Like that sounds good. Yeah, like God will, will never give you something you can't handle. Heck, it almost even sounds biblical. God will never give you something you can't handle. Could you imagine Saying that to Gideon where you walk up and Gideon's ready to go to battle and you're like, hey man, like, hey, don't worry about it. God will never give you anything you can't handle. And Gideon's going, then, then you go to battle, bro. Like, there ain't no way I'm going to battle. Like, if, if I'm taking 300 men to fight an army, God's gonna have to do something. See, God had to get Gideon to a point where he could only rely on God for his strength. Gideon knew from the minute that that 300 was chosen that God's gonna have to do something because there's no way Gideon was able to do something and a lot of time in, in, in life, and there's a kind of a movement among uh, popular psychology uh, that's called like the self empowerment movement, and it's this hyper individualism where we actually build up the individual, and we tell them you have all the strength that you'll ever need inside of you, you have everything, all the hope, all the power, all the strength, you got it, everything that you ever need is is right here, you don't need nobody else, you got this, you're strong. And so popular psychology has been preaching this message and hyping up the individual. And what's happened is we built up the individual so much and it's leaked its way into Christian culture where now Christians are like, yeah, God will never give you something you can't handle. God will never give you something you can't handle, right? Think about it, Philippians 4.13. We love that verse, right? We write it on our, we write it on our paint. We write it, I wrote it on my cleats in high school because I thought it would make me run faster. It didn't. And so it says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. We love that, right? I can do all things. Turn to your neighbor and say, I can do all things in the chat say I can do all things right but but we love that part but what's the second part through him who gives us strength right our power is not from here our power is not from our will our power is not from our strength our power is from him and so we get that mixed up sometimes and and we think it's strong we think it's cool to say that we have all the strength within us we think it sounds good and what's happened over the last couple years, actually, popular psychology is backtracking on the self-empowerment movement. Because here's why. When you hype up the individual and you tell the individual you have all the strength you'll ever need, you have everything that's right here, you've got the strength, you've got the power, you go get it. And what happens is when something goes wrong in the individual's life, who do they blame? Themselves. And so it leaves them in a worse state than they were in before. And it's because we tell them, you've got all the power, you've got all the things, and when it crashes and burns, they blame themselves. And church, I got a message for you this morning. Your power comes from him, not from within. Your power comes from him, not from within. And I wish I could preach this over and over and over again, because too many Christians are walking around with their chest out, acting like they're tough, acting like they're bad, acting like nobody can happen. You want to know why? Because God will give you something, never give you something you can't handle. Where does that strength come from? Think about it. If God never gives you something you can't handle, then you don't need God. Because you don't need God. You've got all the things. See, the truth is, God always gives you something you can't handle. God always gives you something you can't handle because when you go before Him and you say, God, I can't handle this, that gives God the chance to actually be God in your life. That gives God the chance to actually be God. In your life a lot of us quarantine and covid and all the things that have really exposed some things in our life whether it be the 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 death of a family member the loss of a job financial problems or maybe you got sent home into quarantine with somebody you thought you were married to and turns out they were just a stranger living in your own home and you've been forced to rebuild that relationship with your with your spouse or that relationship with your child some of you are like i hope school comes back because they need to go okay like but some of you, God has exposed some things during quarantine, during COVID, through all of this. And you've been trying to carry that weight on yourself. You've been trying to do the whole thing. God never gives you something you can't handle, right? And you've been trying to handle it on your own. And God's looking at you doing and He's like, dude, just step out of the way. Because a lot of times we try and handle problems on our own. We're like, I got this. I got this. And then when something goes wrong, you're like, God, you got this. Because we try to do it on our own strength. And if there's a message that we can take away from Gideon, and actually, I'm not even going to like, read the rest of the story. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, he wins. With 300 men, he defeats a nation, and the nation of Israel is liberated. And you want to know exactly what the nation of Israel does? They rejoice, and they thank God for what he did. Because when you defeat a nation with only 300 men, only God can get the glory. And so there's that thing in your life that you've been carrying. There's that thing that's been happening and you've been trying to do it on your own. And this morning, God wants to teach you a lesson. He's saying, God, let me be God in your life. Give me that thing. Stop trying to control your own life and let me be God. There's a message that I firmly believe the church needs to preach more. And it says, "If if you walked in here, nobody's ever told you this, it's okay to be broken. It's okay to feel helpless. A lot of us walk around like like we gotta have it all together, but it's okay to be broken. You don't think Gideon walked up to God being broken like, God, you gotta do something. Or you don't think Gideon felt a little helpless? Just think back to his response in chapter six when God said, you're going to be my guy, and he hits him with the, God, where you been? That's the definition of a helpless person. Where he's saying, where have you been? It's okay to be broken. It's okay to be helpless, because guess what? That's when God does his best work. When we're broken and we're left helpless and we say, God, do what only you can do, God's like, all right, let me do what only I can do. I wanna talk to the men in the room for a second. And I wanna give like advice from man to man. And I know you might be thinking like, okay, I'm about to take advice from a guy that looks like he's wearing his wife's pants, but just give me, just give me a break and just hear me out on this one, okay? Uh, when I was in high school, I went through a really tough time and I had a life group leader Um, that really invested in my life. Um, I was plugged in a local church, and he was just kind of there for me. And I remember talking to him about my struggle and how hard it was for me, and he said, Trey, the strongest men in life know how weak they truly are. And that has stuck with me my entire life. Because those moments where I feel like as a man, I gotta have it together. I feel like I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta have all the things and all the strength for my wife and our children and the dog and just everything. And I feel like I just gotta be, and we preach this message to men where you gotta have all the things, you're strong, you're tough, beef, testosterone, and beards, right? We love that. And we've told the men like, you, you, you can't flinch. And so men, if you're in the room, I want you to hear this message. It's okay to be broken. It's okay to feel helpless. It's okay to feel like you don't have everything together. The other day, I came home from work and, and, our, and our foster boys were just going nuts. And we spent about two hours just, just trying to get them to bed and finally they went to bed and I'm exhausted. I'm like, man, and then my wife comes up to me and she's like, hey, like, hey, let's talk, let's spend time together. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm exhausted, I can't do this. And so finally my wife and I, we, we hang out for a little bit and then she's like, all right, I'm gonna go to the room. And then, and then I finally sit down on the couch and I'm like, ah, oh, yes. And then the dog comes up to me and he brings the tennis ball and I'm like, not you. Right, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And a lot of us through this whole COVID thing have been trying to carry the weight of the world on our own. And God is saying, Let me be God. Quit trying to be the source of your own strength. Is your faith in yourself? Is your faith in institutions? Or are you going to go back to smalls and realize that the same God that was with Gideon, the same God that was with Joshua and Moses, is the same God that's willing to walk through this season with you right now? Church, we are living in history right now they're going to write about this time in history books and talk about what what did we do church if you haven't noticed look at our finances god is moving right now we've got hundreds of people tuned in online because god is moving i I was i was walking in from the parking lot this morning and a lady stopped me on the green belt and she said hey i just want to say thank you because my parents are old and they're and they're the ones that are at risk and so we're not able to attend in person but you have loved us well and you're online And so if you're watching we're glad you're here but church, God is doing something only He can do. And so the truth this morning is simple. Your power, your strength comes from Him, not from within. Now, what do we do about that? Okay, that's cool, that's a truth, but like, how do we, how do we actually live that out? If you notice, and they kind of said, we didn't, we didn't take communion at the beginning of service this week on purpose. And if you remember what communion stands for, it's a, sacri- it's a remembrance of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and his death and resurrection, and the pain that he went through. And so in just a minute, we're gonna go into time of communion, and I was like, okay, we gotta think of something for them to do in this time of communion. So I got really creative, and I came up with this thing, this action step, so it's really creative. You ready? Surrender the thing. It took a lot of brain power to come up with that, guys. Surrender the thing the thing in your life that that COVID has exposed whether it be the death of a parent the health issues the job loss the finances whatever it is surrender that thing to god and realize there's so much more strength that comes from him than that does from within surrender that thing now i want to say one thing just real quick a lot of you might be thinking okay well yeah that's great i've already done that bro I've already brought that request before God, that thing that I'm struggling with, I brought it to him. This is, if I do it again right now during communion, that'd be like the hundredth time I've brought it before the feet of God to have him deal with it. And I still feel weak and I still feel tireless and I still feel hopeless. Now, just for a second, do you think, do you not think that Gideon didn't feel that way? When God kept cutting away at his army, you don't think that at once Gideon stepped back or maybe twice and said, God, what are you doing? No, it was a constant surrender over and over and over again. And so maybe it's the first time you're surrendering that thing to God, or maybe it's the hundredth. Either way, bring it before the feet of Jesus and let him do what only he can do. Church, God is doing something incredible right now. So let's bring our issues, our thing, before his feet and let him do what only he can do.